This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, there'll be a summary feeling among many of the Aucklanders that we all know and love at the moment. They'll be feeling uh, perhaps as though there is uh, something uh, to look forward to over the Christmas break as they uh, digest the news that came through from the Prime Minister yesterday that around about November 29th, certainly either November 29th or very shortly thereafter, uh, the country will move to the uh, alert level system that sees the traffic light system come into effect, uh, Auckland to red and likely the rest of the country to amber. Certainly no prospect of going straight to green. So what's that going to mean for us down here? Hmm. Let's have a bit of a think about that. And uh, welcome to the awesome morning show for our regular fortnightly corridor, Dunedin Mayor Aaron Hawkins. Uh, morning, and good to have you with us, Aaron. Thanks for joining us again. Good morning. Takes uh, a, a bit of digesting, doesn't it? Um, the, for some, an exciting prospect of the country opening up a bit. For others, perhaps a, a little bit of a sobering prospect. And and those are all um, genuine responses to yesterday's news. Um, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, and, and they're not mutually exclusive either, uh, I, I don't think. I, I think it's, um, I mean, anybody who's been to Auckland over the Christmas New Year period will know that it, it, it empties out at that time of the year um, it, when, when it is able to, and I can't see that this year will be any different given that people have been uh, cooped up for months. Um, but uh, we know that with the borders that have been in place around Auckland, uh, we've still had uh, the spread of uh, of uh, COVID cases to other parts of the country, and and I think we're kidding ourselves uh, if if we think that uh, that won't continue to be the case uh, to at least a great at least the same degree, if not a greater degree, with uh, freedom of movement in and out of Auckland. From the 15th of December, uh, this is obviously uh, great news for for local businesses, um, particularly um, uh, in, in, in hospitality and, and in the tourism sector, and certainly uh, to a greater degree uh, through in, in the Queenstown Lakes District and, and Central Otago and other places that have been harder hit by uh, these restrictions than we have been here in Dunedin. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't come uh, without. Uh, without risk, and, and so we've got uh, we've got to make sure that between now and then uh, we get as many of our eligible uh, population vaccinated uh, as we can. Uh, acknowledging that that still isn't uh, an option for those under the age of twelve. Um, notwithstanding the restrictions on travel come December the 15th, which say that people can travel in and out of Auckland uh, for any reason, but only if they're fully vaccinated or will have tested negative within uh, 72 hours of that travel, um, mm. the how rigorous the checks around that will be remains to be seen. And I think um, we can probably all acknowledge that there will be some who slip through, given that that already happens anyway under the most rigorous of checks. So... Um, the prospect uh, of of COVID nineteen being in your community in your city uh, becomes ever more real day by day. And uh, have you been in contact with uh, health authorities and so forth about you know about what will be the new normal for at least uh, several months while um, the city copes with whatever the consequences of that might be. We always knew that this was, I mean, there was always going to be a point um, where 
was inevitable that we would have cases in the community here. Um, really, the, the focus has been on trying to mitigate uh, the the spread of that when it does happen by uh, driving up our, our vaccination rates as, as much as possible. And that has certainly been uh, the focus of the work that we've been doing with uh, with the DHB. Um, but, but certainly uh, this will... Uh, focus the mind somewhat on on how we how we will um, how we will adapt and 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 we know that certainly the the district health board are doing that uh, planning work. Um, but after the announcement yesterday, we'll work through uh, what that means for the city in terms of uh, how we can uh, support our community through that and and further uh, how uh, how we will navigate the the new traffic light framework when it comes to all of the venues and facilities that we operate in the city because um, you know a, a lot of things have been on hold until we return to level one, which is obviously never going to happen and the two systems don't completely overlap. So and there's a bit of work to do to, to figure out uh, where we will sit from sometime shortly after the 29th of November. The uh, inevitable response that we've seen from some who uh, oppose, uh, well, oppose all sorts of things, but, um, but those who wish to voice their concern about either the COVID-19 policies as they're being rolled out or, or other aspects of uh, the government's decision-making around this, uh, it, it, we're seeing more and more public protest around that, regular presence of some groups in the octagon. Uh, and uh, do you anticipate that... Um, with perhaps the rest of the community having a heightened sense of concern about what might be to come, that there is potential for some flashpoints? And how is the city approaching um, tolerating uh, lawful protest but making sure it's done in the, you know, in the right way? Well, I've, been, uh, I've been heartened by how small those groups and gatherings have been in, in Dunedin. It's certainly been a very different thing in, in other parts of the country. And there's an irony for me in that um, you know groups are gathering in, in numbers that are legitimately allowed for under the current framework to, to protest uh, against the limits that have been placed on uh, on gatherings which which they haven't breached. And and I and I think you can broadly uh, you can you know, New Zealanders like to think of themselves as being like to think of uh, fairness as one of our core values, uh, and that has uh, driven, I think, the collective response around the country to COVID nineteen uh, since uh, since the first cases arrived uh, early last year, uh, and I think it's been a, a key part of uh, of how successful our response has been. Uh, and you and you counter uh, that with uh, places like the United States, where freedom is, is seen as a as a core value, and, and I think what we're seeing at the moment is, is an attempt by some uh, around the country to, uh, for whatever reason, uh, to import that um, that American style uh, approach. Uh, and while they're making a lot of noise, uh, then it's it's still a very marginal group because I don't think uh, it re- I don't think that that Value those, that values framing resonates particularly well with uh, with um, with New Zealanders. So uh, it, you know it is it is hard. I mean, people are having very difficult conversations uh, in their workplaces and in their families and in their friends groups about how we are 
uh, approaching um, this. I mean, this is a very new situation, and these are new debates that we that we are having. But um, ultimately, uh, people do have the option to opt out of uh, the vaccine program, but they do so knowing that they are also opting out of, well, in some cases, uh, some lines of work that they may be undertaking, but also uh, the, the the opportunity to visit. Uh, restaurants and bars and go to events and, and facilities because um, you know you don't have uh, have a right in my view to put other people uh, at unnecessary risk uh, due to decisions that that you have taken I mean these are uh, these are valid decisions I, I would hope that we would have as few people as possible in the city that uh, were opting out of the collective vaccination response and we see that we've got 95 percent of the City's population at, at th- with one dose, 87-ish uh, percent uh, double doses. I mean, this is a it's it's not a huge uh, group uh, in in Dunedin, and so I don't see it becoming a, a significant issue at this point. Centre of the city being used for a very different reason as well. It's been nice to see uh, recently the. Um, work beginning on blessing the site in the octagon that will host Aisha Green's uh, artwork. Uh, just remind our listeners of, of what we're going to um, find in the octagon, hopefully before Christmas. Yeah, if, if only we were able to host Aisha Green, unfortunately. Uh, still in Auckland and, and maybe for, for some time through until the 15th of December. But uh, her, um, uh, her work, which is uh, essentially a replica or an interpretation of uh, the the entranceway into uh, Otako uh, Marae, uh, the Whanganui uh, Tamate um, is being um, is being installed uh, in the octagon. It's been uh, the best part of a decade since uh, the council commissioned a permanent uh, public art for its own sake. That the budget was uh, sacrificed in the early 2010s um, and, and has been uh, reinstated uh, relatively recently. It still feels like a, a long time between when we made that budget decision and when we saw ground being broken in, uh, in the octagon um, on on Monday. But I think it, I couldn't think of a better uh, work uh, to to kick off the city's renewed interest in uh, commissioning and installing public art, uh, a piece that. Uh, speaks to our, our mana whenua stories. It, it literally reflects uh, back to uh, Otako on the on the peninsula uh, and and positions uh, um, positions those stories uh, alongside uh, icons of our settler history in the uh, in the, the municipal chamber, the town hall building, uh, the Robbie Burns statue, uh, which uh, is also part of our our bigger. The project from an urban design point of view of of um, you know rebalancing uh, what has been a a reasonably a colonial approach to uh, how our built environment uh, looks and feels and in the over the last hundred odd years hundred and fifty odd years so uh, it's yeah it's exciting to have that work underway yeah if you're passing through the octagon uh, you can look forward to seeing that installation uh, process Kote Tuhono is the name of the work from Asha Green, we look forward to uh, seeing that completed 
Uh, Aaron, you've posted recently uh, just commenting on a petition that's out there at the moment, the Aotearoa Collective for Public Transport Equity. You're encouraging people to get on board with that. Perhaps no surprise that you'd be supporting that. Yeah, so the, the, the government have put out their emission reduction plan and it basically says we've got 70% of the ideas we need to get to where we know we need to get to uh, to meet our current uh, commitment. Uh, what do you reckon about other things that can get us uh, the rest of the way there? Uh, and and this campaign uh, is in response to that and is um, putting to government uh, the suggestion that uh, it funds uh, free public transport for uh, to, for all uh, tertiary students, for people under the age of 25 uh, and for uh, people who, who have a community services card uh, and therefore, therefore are on uh, on lower incomes and and I've talked uh, often over the years about how I think ultimately we should be working towards making it uh, universally free for a number of uh, a number of reasons not least of which uh, administrative uh, efficiency and and uh, and dignity if you like that people don't have to out themselves as being poor to access the uh, transport options around the city um, but this is uh, this is a step in, in that direction and uh, council will be uh, considering our response to the government emissions reduction plan at our meeting uh, next Tuesday, uh, and uh, and as part of that, uh, I'd, I'd ask them to consider lending uh, council support uh, to this uh, to this campaign as as a part of that. But it's it's good to see the uh, that that debate being had. Really, um, it's certainly something that could go a long way. I think to achieving not just our environmental goals, but also our social well-being goals and, and allowing uh, more of our residents uh, and visitors, but residents in particular, to uh, get around the city and access uh, more of what uh, is available to them. You can find uh, that online, uh, the Aotearoa Collective for Public Transport Equity. You find them online uh, and uh, consider your response to their call for free public transport for community service cardholders, tertiary students and under-25s. Just finally, Aaron, um, we know that the food banks uh, here in Otipoti and indeed across the country are doing it tough right now. Uh, it's traditionally a very busy time for the food banks as they prepare for the demands over the summer season. Uh, and we've seen also, unfortunately, that the uh, the drive that's usually done with the emergency services teams around Otipoti to get out with the emergency services vehicles, get the sirens blaring and get the people out of their houses <laughs> to make donations, not able to happen this year. And so um, there's been um, great response to that in all sorts of sectors of the community. You'll be very proud to have uh, witnessed the response from people uh, working within the Dunedin City Council who yesterday, I think it was the day before, um, donated uh, 2,200 items to the city's food banks. Yeah, I think the, the city has a really strong uh, tradition of uh, of community uh, of community service and and uh, and of responding to uh, to need uh, in the city. And, and when the call went out from uh, from the food banks to say that their cupboards were bare, as you say, at the busiest time of the year, um, even more so in the, in the current uh, in the current uh, environment, uh, we've seen a huge response. From um, from individuals and from small businesses and from larger institutions, um, you know, I see the service clubs, uh, Lions and Rotary are uh, getting a getting together a, a, a can drive in in 
uh, to replace the one that has been uh, postponed, which is great. Uh, the, a couple of our uh, staff uh, wanted to organise something uh, to to get our people behind it, and, and as you say, that resulted in just over 2,000 items and, and a bunch of cash donations being uh, delivered on Tuesday, which is a great response. And we're seeing similar things from from the regional council and, and the university and, and the Otago Polytechnic and, and and so on. And, and it's I mean it's it's one of those things where you know ideally we'd be in a situation where the, the need didn't exist, but while it does, um, it, it's something that those of us who are in a position to be able to help uh, should. Uh, and I think the, the response that we've seen. Uh, particularly within within the DCC, shows the uh, um, you know speaking of values earlier that that, that uh, those those values of um, of of collective responsibility for looking after our people are, are deeply embedded within the culture of the organisation, and I think that's uh, that's really encouraging. Yeah, I picked a lovely little flyer out of my letterbox this morning uh, with a handwritten note from someone from Opahu School there doing a drive this Friday as well. So school's getting in behind it too. Who knows, maybe this year will be uh, the biggest year in terms of contributions made uh, just because uh, uh, of uh, you know the circumstances we find ourselves in. Great to see uh, people of Dunedin responding in that way. Um, Aaron Hawkins, Dunedin Mayor, thanks again so much for joining us for our regular fortnightly chat. We uh, look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Jeff. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.